Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Some of you may have come from a church or two that taught wrongly that the world is getting better and the world is just going to get really good and great shape and then God's going to come back for us when we have it all together. Well, look around you. You can see that's not happening. In fact, it tells us here it's going to get worse and worse and worse. The world's in a mess, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. Despite some people's claims, it's easy to see that the bad guys seem to be winning. Some Christ followers seem to want to throw in the towel and hide behind their church walls, waiting for Jesus to take them away. But as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, that's not how God planned for the church to interact with the world. He's given the church gifts and the power to use those gifts to impact the world. And Pastor Mark will tell you how to use them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. And you haven't seen a person saved in a year. Now anybody think you'd be discouraged? How much zeal for your study? And they don't even do this, but you do a DVD series, which they couldn't do. You do a taping series, which you could. And the sales are two. You and your wife. (laughs) You think you'd be discouraged? Easily get discouraged. But Paul says, while you're serving your gift, don't get discouraged. Be joyful in hope. Why? Well, think about it. For you and I tonight, there's really nothing to be depressed about. You might be here a little discouraged tonight. We all get that way. I do too. We know that. But guys, God's in control. And as we exercise our gift, doesn't matter the numbers. It isn't about the numbers. It isn't about the result. It's about us exercising our gift in love with zeal. As we do this, everything will work out all right. Proverbs 10, 28 says, The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. No matter what our present circumstances, Paul says we should be joyful in hope. After all, what's going to happen to us? One of these days, you've heard me say this many times before, one of these days we're going to die. The very next thing is going to happen to us, we're going to be in heaven. Now, how much better does it get? So we can have hope because that's the expectation of something really good is going to come. Now, so discouragement is something that can cause our gifts to kind of be set on the shelf. Maybe you're discouraged. 
And you're thinking about all these new things we're going to do and the VR thing's going to open up and all the responsibilities and new places in here. And you're just discouraged because you got hurt in ministry or you got hurt in this church or you got hurt by me or one of the pastors or somewhere in the past or whatever the reason is. Lovingly, let me just challenge you. Get over it. Am I right? If you don't, I'm serious. By the way, will you be hurt again? Sure you will. Absolutely. This is real life, guys. This is where we're at. So don't let the enemy shelf you. Get involved. Stick your neck out. Go for it. Ask God to help you. If I've hurt you, come to me and I'll ask forgiveness. For sure. Or somebody else. But get over it. And move on with life. Because we're useless sitting on the shelf. So Paul says, just be joyful and hope. Joyful, not just have hope, but be joyful with hope because the outcome is incredible. Now, besides discouragement, Satan will bring something else. We see that in the last part of verse 12. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. Number eight, as I operate my gift, I have to learn to endure joyfully affliction. What does affliction mean? Distress, trouble, pressure. What does patient mean? Don't have to define it, do we? Patient, steadfast, endurance, not running from the situation. You see, if we live in a perfect world, we wouldn't be influenced by the sin and evil There would be no trouble. There would be no persecution. But that's not the kind of world we live in. Keep your finger right there. And let's turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 for a minute. Let's go down to verse 12. In fact, Paul says to Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted or have affliction. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Some of you may have come from a church or two that taught wrongly that the world is getting better and the world is just going to get really good and great shape and then God's going to come back for us when we have it all together. Well, look around you. You can see that's not happening. In fact, it tells us here it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Then he says in verse 14, But as for you, Tim, continue in what you have learned. There's that patience, steadfast. and Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of it because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me share with you something, and I won't get into detail. There's a new wave of things happening in our world. It's called the emerging church. And it's very hard to define, hard to put it in a sentence for me to define it to you. You don't need to be worried about it. We're well aware of it. But this emerging church is really getting to a place where it's having great impact with young people. It's in America, basically. But it's doing one thing. 
it's diluting this to almost nothing. Some of the people in the emerging church now, names that you might even recognize, just say that the first four or five books of the Bible are just myths. And they were just man's ideas that were written down. It's a nice story. None of that really happened. And these are people that have been to Bible college and seminary, and they're in our churches teaching. Well, the next generation that comes, that knows nothing about the Word of God, and they hear that, they go, okay. That's kind of what I heard in school. Adam and Eve and all is just a myth. So notice what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Tim, when you operate your gift, you can expect some persecution. As I teach the Word of God, as you're taught the Word of God, as you believe the Word of God, people are going to make fun of us and it's going to get worse. But Paul says to Timothy, you just be steadfast. Go back to what? What you learn in your childhood. Remember who he learned it from? His grandma and his mom. Guys, don't forget how incredibly important our kids' ministry is and our youth ministry is. If you're gifted, we need you. You get in the kids' ministry. You get in the youth ministry. Teach with zeal for God. He says to Timothy, you go back to the foundation you were given and you stick with it. And what was the foundation? The Holy Scriptures. Be careful, guys. As I said Sunday, that's what we have to always go back to. That is our base. And we want to make sure that we're steadfast in this right here. Constant. You can tell I was impacted by being in Europe. And it just brought me back to a realization that this is what changes people's lives. The truth of the word is powerful in your life, in my life. The reason you were transformed by the truth of the word wasn't by a man, wasn't by methods. Nothing wrong with all the methods. I love the PowerPoint, all the rest of that. great. But guys, it was the power of the word that changed you. That never changes. The power of the word is timeless. So when we use our gifts, remember it comes from this foundation of the word of God. Now, when we experience affliction, our normal reaction is not to be patient, but to either complain about it or to run from it. Some of you may be here, you're running from God. Stop. He's there for you. You can't run from your problems. Basically, the reason you are the problem. I'm the problem. Is that right? The biggest problem I have in my life is not you. It's me. My old sin nature. You know what I'm talking about. You don't have to point to someone else. It's you. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And so running from this isn't going to do any good. God's for us. He's not against us. Stay steady. Stay in the path of following Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from his love. That's his promise. Just stick with it. You say, well, that isn't too exciting. It isn't about excitement. It's about being patient and steadfast. And that's why simply the teaching of the word of God with application is the thing that will continue to change our lives. Now, along with that, be joyful and hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Number nine, never stop.
praying. First Timothy chapter 2. I urge you then, first of all, a request, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. See, we're to pray for zeal, we're to pray for joy, we're to pray for hope, we're to pray for patience. You say, well, that last one got me. Endure affliction. I'm not too patient. Pray for it. I don't want to pray for it. God may give it to me. Pray for it. That's the goal. Yes, he will. So, I just wrote this simple. Pray that God will help you to develop your gift to the max. That's huge. See, you have a gift. It's needed. Wow, do we need it. Say, God, I want to use it to the max. I want to use my gift to the best of my ability with your strength. That's the way we do it. Verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. See, we're not only to share gifts with one another, but our lives with one another. I'm to share who I am with you, as well as my gift. I'll just save your time, but in Acts chapter 2, let me read how it was in the early days. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common, and selling their possessions and good. They simply gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness in their hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. You see, share with one another. You're good at that. You're wonderful at that. One another is the key. It's not me. Don't focus on yourself. Somebody sent me this a long time ago. You may have heard it. It's really good. How to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your views on everything. Sulk. If people are not grateful to you for the favors you show them. Never forget a service you've rendered. Shirk your duties if you can. And do as little as possible for others. This is how to be miserable. That's an incredible list, isn't it? Hopefully you didn't find yourself there anywhere. Verse 13. I love the word. Read that next part. What's it say? Do what? Practice what? Practice it. Well, how do I practice it? You practice it. Let me read you something. Is there a difference between entertaining and hospitality? Yes. Watch this. Entertaining says, I want to impress you with my home, my decorating, my cooking. Hospitality says, this house is simply a gift from my master. I use it however and whenever he desires. Entertaining needs to impress. Hospitality aims to serve. Entertaining puts things before people saying, as soon as I get the house clean, 
I'll start inviting people over. Hospitality, instead of putting things first, puts people first. Hospitality puts people first saying, no furniture, no problem. We'll have a picnic on the floor. You say, this sounds stupid. No, this is very important. Entertaining declares, this house is mine. It's an expression of my personality and my ingenuity and my wealth. Hospitality whispers, what's mine is yours. Enjoy it anytime. That's the difference. Guys, practice hospitality. Invite people over. Open heart, open home. That's what the church is to be known for. You say, well, I'm not really, haven't got into that. Get into it. Be available. Make your home available. Gather some different people. Invite different people. Some of you do very good with that. Many of you go out with different people. Our pastors do that. Dave and Barb do well with that. Other people, you just have people over here and say, well, I don't have this huge home. No furniture, no problem. We'll sit on the floor. Is that right? See, it's about people. It's all about people. So think about this. I think that's huge. I came across something, well, about the church. Listen to this. A church newsletter mentioned a man who visited 18 different churches on successive Sundays, trying to find out what the churches were really like. In every church, he was neatly dressed and followed the same routine of giving ample opportunity for fellowship, kind of an openness, hospitality. Then he used a scale to rate the reception he received in each church. If while he was in that church service, he got a smile from someone else that was worth 10 points. Anybody get 10 points yet so far? Okay. 10 for a greeting from someone sitting nearby. See, I forced you to do those two things. So minus 20 already from you guys. You can't count it. Number three, 100 points for an exchange of names. 200 for an invitation to have coffee. In other words, out in the cafe or whatever. 200 for an invitation to return. 1,000 for an introduction to another worshiper. Let me introduce you to my friend over here. These are really neat people. How about this one? 2,000 for an invitation to meet the pastor. Now, I'll be up here. We'll see how many points you guys get. Pastor Dave will be around. Some of the other pastors will be around. On this scale, out of the 18 churches, 11 earned less than 100 points. Five received less than 20. Here was the conclusion. Listen to this. It's very important. The doctrine may be biblical. The singing inspirational, the sermon uplifting. But when a visitor finds nobody who cares whether he or she is there, they are not likely to come back. Isn't that amazing? Now, you're good at this because you're friendly and you're open and you're outgoing. And that's why our church continues to grow. But I just want to challenge each other. Think about that. A smile. What's your name? Glad you're here. Visit us again. If you're new, come back. You want to meet another person? Let me share with you. You don't know anybody? See, that's why we created the commons. 
so people can hang and get to know one another. But you can do that in the foyer, and you can do that coming and going in the parking lot, trying to find your car wherever it is. (laughs) I challenge you that tonight. You see, we're to be gracious to everybody. We need to just be have this greeter mentality, this first impression mentality. Let me give you a closing illustration. How can these diversity of seven gifts be used to build a church? This is a great illustration because it says this. If a committee of each of the giftings were planning a new church, how would they do it? Well, number one, the prophet would aim to ensure there's a biblical standard in all the teaching. The server, what would they think about? They'd be thinking about the activities of the church that needs to be provided for. So that server is one that's probably going to be on the setup team. Moving the kids' stuff in every week and abandonment and sound and the video and all the rest of the stuff. What is the person with the gift of teaching going to do in the setup of church? Well, they're going to focus on what? Sunday school, youth, small groups, how they can use their gift. What's the exhorter going to do? Well, they're going to be interested in encouraging people to grow and mature in the development of all kinds of ministries to make sure people are excited about what's taking place. What about the giver? Well, the giver is the one that's blessed in many ways financially. What are they going to do? As you know, to start up this new thing is going to cost us a lot of money with all the equipment and the things we do. Way less than starting a church, but a lot of money. So a giver is going to what? They'd get right in and give. How about the leader? Would the leader have any plans? Well, sure the leader would have plans. What did we do? We had our kickoff first planning meeting. Can you imagine say, those of you that want to be in Vera, we'll see you October 1st. Come join us. No meetings, no people. What do you think that would be like? Disaster. And last, what about the mercy giver? Well, they'd make sure that it was a warm environment, that people were loved, that there was a smile, that there was an exchange of names. All the things that make a church go, those are the gifts that you have. I just want to say this to you, and I wrote it for you, because it's from my heart. I wrote this a long time ago as I began to study this. If you're a member of this fellowship, I want to say this to you. I, this is me, I have high spiritual and practical expectations for each of you. As you discover and you serve with your motivational gifts. I have incredible expectation as a result of this teaching that you're going to find your place and be fulfilled and let God use you to just change our world together. Now remember, you're made in the image of God. You are filled with the Spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. You're created and gifted by God to do His will. Don't maximize who you are. Don't minimize who you are. Just know that you're adequate for who you are and the gifts that you have and where God has placed you. And together, may we continue in Melbourne and wherever else God has us to change our world so all the honor and the glory goes to Him. Let's be hot for God.
as we serve our gifts. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark told you more ways to make the most of your spiritual gifts. The bottom line is that you have to treat all people like Jesus would treat them. After all, you are his agent on the earth. In addition, you've got to show unbelievers that God does make a difference in your life, that he's watching over and taking care of you at all times. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. And that wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching on God's motivational gifts. We hope that you got lots of food for thought and are thinking of ways to put what you've learned into practice. We encourage you to try to figure out what your spiritual gifts are and to ask God to help you to get integrated into your local church where God can use you to bless others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting